Welcome to Versus, the show where nerds do what nerds do best, argue. I'm your co-host, Adam Peacock, and this week I will be representing Patrick Bateman. And I'm your second co-host, Caitlin Hempstead, and this week I will be representing Norman Bates. Oh, we got the killer of killers for a spooky Halloween episode. Bates v. Bateman. Let's throw Jason Bateman in there, too. I bet he's murdered somebody. I'm sure he has. I didn't even realize that Bates was a part of both names until I was typing it in to the <laughs> file folder. <laughs> Feels good, man. Feels good to Does be in control good. of the situation. Yeah, it's time for spooky killer season, Adam. Wouldn't you agree? I would totally agree. Uh, well, let's jump right into spooky killer season, the killer of killers. Uh, Caitlin, I'm going to throw two minutes on the clock. Tell us why that one Norman Bates is the superior killer in the world of killers. Adam, a boy's best friend is his mother. And... Of course, by that logic, a mother's best friend is her son. And there's no denying that Norman Bates is a loyal son. He does everything for his mother. He runs the motel when she is not able to. He, uh, you know, remembers to turn on the sign for guests. He creates an exciting, exotic environment with taxidermied birds. I mean... He is so talented and so full of skills, and among his many other skills and artistic gifts is murder. And you might be saying, Caitlin, that doesn't make him a good guy. Hey, I never said he was a good guy. I said he was a good son. And when a woman threatens to um, disrupt the close bond between him and his mommy, well, there's only one thing he can do, and it's re 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 re. Uh, Norman does, sure, spoiler, kill his mom and also her boyfriend, and taxidermy his mom, and presumably throw the boyfriend into the swamp, into which we see him dump multiple other bodies, two to three, over the course of the film Psycho. Um, but he does it out of love, and. Isn't it always said that the road to heaven is paved with good intentions? And I'm completely confident that Norman Bates is up there in heaven as we speak. Um, he is a man who truly loves his family, wants to provide a good environment for his guests, as long as they're not a hot woman who makes him horny or an investigator who's trying to solve death of said woman. He's talented. He's strong. Uh, he is apparently pushing cars into a swamp just with his arms. I mean, he really has it all. He's a renaissance man. What more could you ask for? Very good. That was very good. What is it with killers and hot ladies who make him horny? Why kill him? <laughs> Why not just try to kiss him first? Uh, yeah, it's so interesting that they could just uh, go in for the kiss and then uh, if they don't get it, move along. But they choose not to. And there's a non-fun answer about how we live in a misogynist society, but I think the fun answer is just horny make men crazy. I don't, do we have any merch? If we have merch, that should be a sticker or a t-shirt or something. <laughs> horny make would men you crazy. Write in and tell us, would you buy a shirt that says... Horny make men crazy. Horny Adam, make men crazy. You've got to tell me why Patrick Bateman is the superior psycho. Uh, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Here we go. Well, October 23rd, 1962, the world welcomed Patrick Bateman into it. Uh, he's born into a wealthy family. There's pr nothing really particularly unique about this guy. He went to a very nice prep school, got into Harvard. He's become a financial guy. Pretty boring. Mergers and acquisitions is what he does. Uh, you know, like I said, his family's wealthy. He's got a brother, but there's no indication that his brother's a killer. And he lives a pretty empty, vapid life. He's sort of obsessed with, not sort of, he's absolutely obsessed with skincare 
their routines and and working out and making sure every little little thing looks cool. But in the process of doing that, in the process of trying to maintain some kind of status quo in the world that we live in, he's just building up inside and the only way he can get it out is through murder. Now, yes, usually he just kills women that he has had sex with or is about to or has already like it's more of a romantic thing, but he's not just a, he's an equal opportunity killer. The whole point of the movie and the book that we find him in is Paul Allen, a guy played by 30 Seconds to Mars lead singer Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> they have a new album out, by the way, which is great <laughs> news. Uh, and so, yes, it's not just women, it's men. And he, there's also a, a part where he killed a little kid just to see how it felt, but uh, he didn't really like it. I think Patrick Bateman navigates a world that is just, it, it's just awful and empty and vapid. And, and I completely understand why he does what he does. Um, not saying that I want to be like him, but we're going to get to something later in the show about, you know, what do we see in these characters that we like? And I was watching some clips today, Caitlin, and a little something kind of just stuck with me that I was, I thought, oh boy, I, I could see a little bit of myself in this, but he's a handsome guy. And sometimes people just need to get killed. And Patrick Bateman is the one to do it. Sometimes people just need to get killed. Another good t-shirt. Yeah, we're nailing these slogans today. Yeah, God, we are catchphrase machines. Have you done the Universal Backlot Tour where you see Norman Bates? Yes. Oh, it's wonderful. And the actor playing him is always almost Anthony Perkins handsome, which is great. The guy that, I mean, it's got to be the same guy, right? That's a great question. I mean, he probably only played for so long. It's like they must swap him out at least every 20 years. The guy who was there when I was there looked spot on really yeah he looked great oh man speaking of looking great my god two extremely handsome men in these films very handsome men yeah very handsome actors notoriously so i in okay i had never seen psycho before i am ashamed to admit i watched it for this episode because we thought it would be funny to pit these two against each other and anthony perkins is spectacular he's great like he's acting the pants off every single scene the scene when he runs in at the end when it's revealed that he is mother and I, <laughs> he's doing something with his jaw where it's like you know what i'm talking about it, like, it, it looks like it looks like in the last of us when the clickers like unhinge their jaw yes it's like how are you physically doing that he looks insane it's insane it's insane and i think one of the places that i want to start this is which one would you rather be killed by because i think it's an important distinction in determining which character is better i think if i had to be killed by one of them i would go with bateman because well i mean they get really creative how he kills people mm. uh acts the back of the head he shoots a bunch of people in the movie he throws a chainsaw at a lovely young lady <laughs> Uh, I think just in terms of grandiose spe uh, spectacle, I got to go Bateman. Yeah, that's interesting. Right, because Norman's just sort of like whatever gets the job done. Yeah, and it's all very secretive, it feels like. Yeah, it is kind of in the dark and shady. I mean, I wouldn't mind ending up as a corpse in a swamp, I will say. Sure. Like, I think that sounds like a peaceful place to rest my weary bones. If you're going to get rid of a body, you got to get rid of it in a swamp. You got to go swamp. You got to get one of those desert swamps. That's my one note. Hitchcock, that doesn't look like Southern California. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this from. No, this looks like you shot this on a back lot, you hack. You absolute <laughs> hack. I think we'd be better than Hitchcock at directing movies. It, there's no doubt in my mind. And I'm no also question. the greatest quarterback that's ever played football. <laughs> I believe you, bud. I'm 
I have to, I maybe have to give this one to Patrick Bateman. I mean, I would rather die suddenly and with less fear. And I feel like Norman Bates does it efficiently. But you do kind of want a showy death. He also lures you into a, a really good false sense of security, Norman Bates does. Right. You're having such a nice night at a cute little hotel before you're uh, stabbed in the shower. Did you ever think taxidermy was weird? I never, that was something that never struck me as odd. Go on. <laughs> I just, maybe because I grew up with, you know, deer heads in the basement. I was going to ask if this is Midwest talking. It, it must be, because that doesn't freak me out. Okay. I grew up a very strict vegetarian in like a vegetarian home. And so I think like any dead animal stuff is sort of like, why dog? Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of friends who are creepy spooky and they love to do taxidermy. So LA's changed they me. They do it. They actually do it. Yes. My friend Connor Shin is actively pursuing taxidermy and has done wow. some birds and a fox. And, and it's hard. And I I brought this up in my intro, but one of the reasons I think Norman Bates is the superior character is he is really talented at it. Like, it is physically hard work and to, like, not knock any of the feathers off of a bird. So what do you do? Do you, like, do you just rip, like, do you just take all the skin off and then, like... I think with a bird you have to, like, pluck off the big feathers and, like, leave the little ones and cut it in such a way that you can just sort of, like, deglove the entire corpse. Yeah. Um, And then just, like, rip off all the meat and stuff and have the bones. <laughs> and then use a skeleton as a frame and then pack the skin, like, preserve the skin, pack it with sawdust, and then sew it back up. As I understand it. I hope that's how the course description is described in whatever <laughs> college you go to for taxidermy. Rip off the meat. Deglove the body. <laughs> Halloween up. So yeah, I mean, that that's hard. And I just feel like, you know, Patrick Bateman is maybe great at his job, but we don't really see him have any like artistic talent or other hobbies. I think I feel bad for Patrick Bateman because running a hotel would be cool. I think doing anything in finance seems so utterly boring Jesus and awful Christ. that I, I, I would kill people too. Patrick Bateman is so awful. He makes being rich seem bad. Yeah. That's incredible. I'll never have that problem, but I just, I don't understand, like, just the whole, we went and saw Dumb Money. Oh, how is that? It's fine. But all the people, all the hedge fund guys, all they care about is money and, all, like, num it just seems like such an awful existence. So you feel for him. You feel like he's he's got nothing in his soul anymore. I don't think so. And I, it's not that I don't feel bad for Norman. It's, you know, but if we're saying a boy's best friend is his mother, that's really limiting a mom and who can be her best friend. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, Adam, I'm not a mother, but I'm pretty sure they don't need friends. I think she's fine. The you way know what? it is. My mom doesn't have any friends and she's fine. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'll be your friend. Give me your number. No, 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 no. She's fine. She's fine. I mean, Norman does concede that. Uh, a son is a poor substitute for a lover, um, which is uh, upsetting in many ways. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he does... I would never even thought to put the two in the same category. Well, you're not normie. So uh, I guess, yeah, that is a fair point that like, you know, he, he's not doing a great job being everything for his mom. This movie, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, American Psycho, I think is it's very funny. Yeah. It's a it's a very funny movie. I watched the sequence today where he breaks up with Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> and he just I with no questions asked, just shoots an old lady who's just 
sniffing around mind you know like mind your own business lady uh i there's something about seeing america's sweetheart reese witherspoon just like brutally dumped over dinner that is pretty funny it might be funnier psycho's not very funny it's not funny it's i mean it's a great movie but it's not funny it is incredible it does build psychological tension i will also say like hitchcock was horrible towards women and seems to have hated them but it is a very sympathetic movie towards women and it really is like about them and about them not being believed by authority figures and about the like the thing that happens when you're a woman where you get like a bad vibe off a, a man or a situation and society has conditioned you to be polite so you just sort of go like oh well i guess i'll keep staying at this hotel even though he told me I eat like a bird and then looked at all of the birds that he killed and stuffed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the I, I guess I'm just thinking about Reese Witherspoon. I, how do women come off an American Psycho? Not great. They don't. And I think it's because the movie is so good at being like claustrophobically from his perspective and he just doesn't think of women as people period what can i what does she say what can i do for you right now or what can i do and his only response is stop making a scene (laughs) (laughs) now that's a knife in the gut he's i mean both of these performances are pretty i think great spectacular i know i don't want to do actor olympics but i think if we were to debate the performances we would have a hard time it's tough. Like yeah. little things like, in, in the, again, in that same uh, sequence I'm talking about when he's walking down the stairs of the ATM, a couple pass by him on the way up and he like he has his arm out to, I don't know if he's trying to walk with the rail or what he's doing, but he has his arm out. And as soon as the people come up, he like just does this. Oh, like, I like clenches it. it into his chest. Like just no touchy. doesn't want to be touched by anybody. I yeah. get it. Yeah. God, that's good. That now that's good acting. Uh, which one would win in a fight? I think Patrick Bateman, just because he is he's constantly working out. His physical <sighs> health and his body, I think, are it's very superficial, but they are taken care of very well. This is an interesting one because I think this is like putting somebody who does CrossFit all the time up against somebody who like works a physical job because Norman Bates is carrying his mother's corpse downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs. He's taking care of this motel. Um, He's again, like pushing cars into the swamp. So I'm actually not sure Bateman has it. And he does seem to be the only person working at the hotel. So he's, you know, changing the linens and I assume he must have some sort of, uh, what do you call it? Like trade skills, plumbing. Oh yeah. Electrical. I think you know, so. Must, I think yeah. he's, because he can't ever have a tradesperson come to the motel to fix stuff because then they won't find again the taxidermy corpse of his mother. Who do you think deals with the whole thing better? Ooh, deals with it well. This brings us to a big argument that I want to put to you. Okay. Is Patrick Bateman actually killing people? The movie leaves it kind of ambiguous about whether he's just imagining all of these. But I thought Mary Heron had come out and said that he absolutely was doing all of this stuff. Oh, well, believe women. Believe women? <laughs> believe women? <laughs> believe women? I hardly know women. <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, there's so many, you know, the gunfight with the cops and there's little moments like it's certainly it's it's shot really well. The, the uh the Willem Dafoe thing. Have you heard that? 
that they filmed I guess three different takes of him when he's in ter- or when he's talking to, to to Patrick Bateman. They filmed it in three different uh, styles: one where he knew that Bateman was the killer, I think one where he didn't think he was the killer, and one where he wasn't sure. And Willem Dafoe, like he acted all three of those out, right? And then they just edited up and spliced up those three scenes into one take. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it's Fuck. really neat. God, that movie is cool. Man, these are two good movies. They are really good. This one's oh, tough. That's really fun. Okay, so you're coming down on team. He really is doing these murders. <sighs> Who deals with it better? Um, I think Bates. Yeah? Because I think by the end of the movie, you know, if they hadn't found him out, he he's still functioning. Like, I think he would have just kept on killing people as absolutely necessary and running, like, a pretty nice, clean motel. Whereas Bateman is truly spiraling. Like, by the midpoint of the movie, you're like, there's no coming back for him. Even in the beginning, I think, too, there's something just under the surface where if you, as you and I, if two regular people saw him on the street, be like, get away from that dude. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I do think if I saw Anthony Perkins, I would be like, well, here's just a very awkward little fellow. Yeah, he he. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Bates. Okay, hell yeah. Uh, who's got a higher body count? Well, we don't really know how many people Norman Bates killed in his free time. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he could have been off doing God knows what. Because we know that there have been multiple women who came to the hotel, uh, gave him a. Well, there's no better way to say it than boner, and then had to be murdered. Uh, and so we're. It's sort of like. Yeah, Patrick Bateman's kills are really spectacular, but I think Bates has been out here just ring for a while. Yeah, I think if we're left to our imagination, it's I yeah, I mean if we're going just with what we see in the movie or the book, oh god, I I don't know. Now I'm just fantasizing about how many people Norman Bates has killed. Not fantasizing, <laughs> but just thinking about it. <laughs> fantasizing? You're going too hard to Halloween season. I get 31 days to do this. <laughs> You can't tell me not to. Uh, I'm gonna say just because of 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 my my client, Mr. Bateman. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bateman. Okay, fair enough. I guess we'll never know the answer to that one. All right, now, what what was our T-shirt? Horny men, horny make men, men make horny. Uh, <laughs> men make horny is also good. I think it's horny make men crazy. Horny make men crazy. Who would you rather date? Oh boy, yeah, Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Here's why. I think that putting these two movies up against each other is a really interesting blue-collar, white-collar split. And I think that I have known a lot of men like Patrick Bateman, finance bros, and talking to them for more than 30 seconds has been unfucking bearable Sorry to stereotype an entire group of people, yeah. but I feel like it's okay to call Wall Street guys unbearable. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll walk that back. But um, Norman Bates, like, I think we could have a fun hang. I, yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't want to die. But... Um, <laughs> Violently. I don't want to die violently. But um, I think that we would have a really fun time up until the big finish, so to speak. Like, you know, he's got a lot of hobbies and interests. He's good at asking questions. Um, You know, I think he's really interested in women. And uh, I I want to see, you know, that big old house. He's a homeowner, Adam. That is true. But Patrick Bateman has a really nice condo in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Which one would you rather date? I've got to go Bates. He's mm-hmm. just more, he's more interesting. I can't deal with the 
I the business card scene is so funny, <laughs> and I couldn't be around that. I don't think. Yeah, it seems pretty annoying. Although I, I do like Huey Lewis. <laughs> and he is a good dancer. He is a good dancer, and apparently, are we talking Huey Lewis or Patrick Bateman? Patrick Bateman, <laughs> but oh, maybe okay. Huey Lewis too. I'm sure Huey Lewis is a good dancer, and from what Copy. I've heard, man is packing. <laughs> Huey Lewis of the News Lewises. The very one. Apparently, he has got just a gigantic wiener. <laughs> The places the show goes, I simply love it. It's, it's like the who was it? Uh, the master, uh, a plaster master, or whatever that woman who was like taking pla- or, uh, plaster molds of rock stars' wieners. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That makes sense. He has the quiet confidence of a man with a powerful wang. He looks like an English teacher. Yeah, and that's my type. <laughs> Huey Lewis, if you're listening. Knock, knock. <laughs> I think we can all agree that of Patrick Bateman, Norman Bates, and Huey Lewis, H- Huey wins. 1,000%. Yeah, we're all going to date Huey Lewis. I want a new drug. <laughs> Bring it on. Who do you... Th- well, no, because that's that's not a good question. I was going to say, who do you think is happier in their off time? But I got that one's got to be Bates, too. Oh, actually, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Bateman seems like he cannot feel the emotion of happiness. Yeah. Um, but Norma Bates is pretty tortured. I guess, like, what's worse, numb ennui or active insanity? Oh, brother. Numb? Yeah. So maybe it's Bates then. I just feel like every waking moment for Bateman is... The anxiety level is through the roof at all times. But I am a person who likes having something to strive for. And like Patrick Bateman, nothing is ever enough for him. So he is constantly striving. And I think that's kind of good for the soul, you know? Whereas Norman Bates knows that nothing is ever going to get better. God, I th- I think I relate to both of these people. <laughs> striving for... Do you think that either one of them really knows what they want? No. No, I don't. Well, Norman Bates wants to fuck his mom. I mean that is a goal. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think Bateman knows what he wants. Yeah. Cuz you're right, no matter what he gets it's never enough. So like it's always on to the next thing, right? Yeah. And I think if Norman Bates could have found a woman who was exactly like his mother um uh you know, maybe none of this would have ever happened. The mother's boy is her best friend. <laughs> so true, King. It is true. It is very true. City or country living for you? City. City. So you're gonna live in you're gonna live in Bateman's condo. Yeah, platonically. Of course. Yeah. I mean, no. He doesn't say he doesn't live there. Like you could live in either the the hotel or Ooh. the or Bateman's condo without them. Either one of them there. Yeah, I don't want to live in an isolated Victorian mansion uh, out on Route 66. Which one for you? Having a swamp seems pretty cool, but I gotta go. I gotta go New York. It does fulfill that Shrek fantasy. Totally. Well, there's that new uh, place in uh, Germany where you can go stay at an Airbnb that looks exactly like Shrek's house. That's so true. We should make a Norman Bates Airbnb experience. That must be a thing, right? There's got to be. There's got to be. Which one would you rather be? I think I would rather be Norman Bates because I feel like I have a little too much Patrick Bateman. Not the murder stuff, but the anxiety and like all the trying to navigate the world. I think I'm a little more Bateman-like. What about you? Yeah, I I think I would want to be Bateman. 
because I think I'm too Batesy. Yeah. Um, less in terms of the mom stuff, although, you know, um, there are some stereotypes about Jewish mothers and daughters that are extremely accurate <laughs> to my experience. Um, what are some stereotypes but, uh, about Jewish think... mothers and daughters? I've never heard these. <laughs> that we are too enmeshed. <laughs> Um, I'd like to, candidly, I'd like to have a little more Bateman in me. I'd like to have a little bit more confidence in my choices. Yeah. Uh, a a, a little bit more, um, smoothness in business. Uh, I think I could stand, like, just like 6% more arrogant. I think this is the first time that you and I have done this, where you and I are defending each other's pick. I know, it's interesting. That is interesting. Maybe this is why we have, you know, we're the perfect host duo, because uh, yeah. you're a little Bates, I'm a little Bateman, vice versa. We fear in ourselves what we are admire in the other. And I think, I I mean, is it fair to say I wish we were both a little more like Jason Bateman, because that guy's really handsome. My God, yeah, really handsome, really talented, great career. Yeah. yeah. Well, I... Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to throw some games out to decide which one of these killers is better and which one Caitlin and I are more like and who we will end up becoming later in our lives. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Adam. Yeah, buddy. Um, Can I tell you about something? Please do. Are you busy right now? Or I'm literally not doing anything. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Okay, so you know me. You know I'm like kind of a nerd, mm-hmm. you might say. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Wow. Ouch. Um, but one of the nerdy things that I truly love is this dang Marvel Cinematic Universe. Every time they put out a new movie, I'm like, it's injected straight into my veins. I love this jazz. And I am very stoked, Adam, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast is excited to be covering Loki season two right now with two podcasts every week. Can you believe that? I can't believe it, you nerds. So listen <laughs> up. They're going to be posting instant reactions immediately after each show drops and episodes where they respond to listener feedback and they hear more perspectives and craft insane theories in what is Owen Wilson doing. I mean, that's what this show is. We're- is he? What is he doing between seasons? I don't know. Anyway, the show has a glorious, thriving community that is super fun to be part of. If you want to nerd out with fellow nerds like me in a non-pejorative way, you're going to love it. The Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast is a podcast dedicated to all the wonderful and diverse content of the MCU. And did you know the show's in its 10th year? So, like, they're doing something right. A lot of stuff. And if you're excited to see what comes next for Loki like they are, search right now for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast wherever you get your podcast and hit the subscribe button. All right, everybody, welcome back for round two of this week's episode of Versus. In round two of the show, Caitlin and I are going to pick a game to play with each other from a bunch of various segments that our producers have come up with. This week, Caitlin, I have picked role models. I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Caitlin, what are some things about Norman Bates that you'd like to see more of in yourself? Honestly, Adam, it's going to be hard to limit this just to two minutes because there is so much about Norman Bates that I admire. As I say, he is a very talented artist. Uh, He has clearly taught himself a ton of technical skills like plumbing, electric, uh, business. You know, he is single-handedly keeping this small business open. And it's very clear that business is not great. It's slow. They move the highway, which is a thing that seemed to be like a major component in every movie from the 40s to the 70s. And yet he keeps this business afloat. Um... 
But I think one specific thing I'd really like to emulate that makes him my role model is I'd like to be more thoughtful of other people's needs. Um, you know, when Janet Lee is hungry, he makes her sandwiches. Um, he is very careful about uh, airing out the rooms and changing the linens every week, even if no one has stayed in the hotel. Um, and when he does murder people, he makes it really quick. So I would love to have a Norman Bates-style awareness of the needs of the people around me um, and, and to serve them. Uh, and I think ultimately, you know, that's what he does. He serves. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. Being more thoughtful of people's needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, turning it around on you. Okay. With two minutes on the clock, what are some things that you would like to emulate about Patrick Bateman. First off, I gotta get in shape. I just, I look and feel so bad. And I eat like I did when I was in college, and it's so bad. I need to get better about that. Um, look, having abs looks like it would be nice. So I think maybe that, having more of a stringent, uh, a stringent, what do you call it, skincare routine, the face masks and stuff. Those are nice. Allie's got me has gotten me to wear some face masks and those things are lovely. I didn't realize how nice they could be until I did it. Aside from all the physical stuff, I think I, let's, let's say that he's not actually killing these people. Let's just say this is all in his mind. I wish I had a creative enough outlet to deal with my own anxiety, mm. whatever that means. Like, you know, I don't necessarily need to kill people or want to kill people, but just having something where I could feel like I'm taking some sort of control or some sort of action over my own anxiety. Um, like I said, it doesn't need to be murder. It doesn't have to be. Don't murder anybody. That's bad. We're not, we've, we do too much of it, but I don't know what that thing is. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's like getting some, some insane skincare workout routine that will help me get rid of this anxiety and stress that I have 24 hours a day. But I think that those are the two things, like the physical aspect of it and, and dealing with dealing with my anxiety. Wow. Um, I think it's really brave to go on record as saying we're anti-murder. <laughs> Very much anti-murder, even though I joke about it a lot. Don't do it. Don't. It's antisocial. No, it sucks. No one's going to like you. It's not going to make you any better. Like, yeah. You're going to end up doing suicide by cop. Ugh. Right. It's not The thing it. you think is going to be accomplished by it is not going to be. Um... Now it's my turn to challenge you to a game, my guy. And because it is part of the 31 days where you're allowed to do whatever you want by law, uh, as long as it's spooky, uh, I'm going to challenge you to a game called Costume Chaos, where we design a Halloween costume based off of the character or any character in the movie that we watched. I think I would be real jerky about it and mm. try to get real clever because Bateman does show up in a Brett Easton Ellis book before this uh, rules of attraction is that what it is mm -hmm. and there's a part in there where he says when he shows up to a party with his brother that he has like a weird stain on his shirt or on his suit sort of you know insinuating that maybe he did murder somebody on the way to the party so that's what I would do I would just get a really nice like Brooks Brothers suit from the airport and then put like a little ketchup stain or something on the lapel. And then I would just say, oh, I was Patrick Bateman. You would ruin a suit for this. I think so. Yeah. Brooks Brothers suit. Yeah. Wow. And I feel like if I'm really going to go for it, I got to buy it from the airport because he seems like the kind of guy who would buy a suit at the airport. Like when he lands for his business meeting. Right. Yeah. Wow. Airport suit guy. What a good specific. 
That's a good costume. Yeah, I, I airport suits, I don't understand, but <laughs> they're great. All right, Kaylin, what's a give, give give me a costume for Norman Bates? I think there's only one choice, and it's mother. Uh, so it's a rubber mask that you pull over your head that's got sort of the scooped out eyes, which I do object to in the movie because I think that a man that good at taxidermy would find like glass eyes to pop into that uh, corpse's head holes. Oh yeah. So you know, not ideal. But then yeah, that sort of leathery skin and like the gray bun. Um, I thought about doing Norman when he's dressed as his mother, but I think the corpse of mother uh, is really going to F up your Halloween party in a, in a powerful way. Plus, if you go to a party, buddy, you're going to have to do that thing with your jaw all night long and it's yeah. going to just, you're going to get tired and yeah. Oh, it's aggravating my TMJ just thinking about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. Um, put on the mother costume, sit on a chair and then don't move for four hours. That's the best. That's actually, I want to do that. I don't want to have to go anywhere. I want to <laughs> show up to the party. Don't talk to anyone. Leave. Don't talk to me. Just let me sit here. And then after four hours, I'm just going to get up and leave. <laughs> wow. Two perfect costumes. Two great costumes. Two very, very good costumes. This one's tough because I can't, I don't want to do it. Like I, people are going to say like the, the trench coat thing that he wears when he kills Jared Leto. But I don't know. I think go with what the, with this weird stain thing is, was good. It's great attention to detail. And fortunately, we don't have to decide which one of these is better. The listeners do. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of the listeners and who they decide is the better killer of killers, uh, Kaylin, let's throw a minute on the clock. What are your final arguments for one Norman Bates? This guy rules. Um, he <laughs> he is uh, a creative artistic loner. And isn't that the kind of person that we all want to date, be or be murdered by. I think as scary villains go, he is one of the greatest. There have been like five psycho movies. Anthony Perkins did all of them because he was having some money trouble and also just like emotional trouble. Poor little guy. Um, but it has spawned uh, generations of terror at this point. And I think he is the scarier killer and also just like more a person you'd want to hang out with. Uh, it's a, a nuanced character that has also got to be ripped from all the mattresses he has to rotate. And uh, it's it's a guy that I wouldn't mind being murdered in the shower by. Do you think he was having uh, mental problems because he had to hide who he truly was? Anthony Perkins? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He yeah. at one point. It's almost had like, like we shouldn't do that to people. What's that? He at he, one point? He had like conversion therapy and married a woman and it doesn't sound like it was very happy. Oh my God. It was just like really should have been one of the greatest actors of his generation and wasn't. Oh, and we ruined him. I know. We collectively. I love all these, uh, I always say these liberal East or these West Coast liberal elites. Like we got Judy Garland and hooked on pills. We killed Anthony Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hollywood is not exactly a tolerant paradise. <laughs> No, it's awful. It's, it's just so as bad, bad as anything else. It's so bad. Oh, I'm so glad we work in film and TV. All right, Adam. One minute on the clock for you, my friend. And won't you tell me why Patrick Bateman is the greatest character? Like all great characters that we talk on talk about on this show, I think you can see a little bit of yourself in Bateman. We all struggle with anxiety and just trying to keep up with the rat race of the world. And it doesn't have to be finance. It's whatever, whatever career path you're on, I'm sure, and whatever social dynamics you have it's always the, the staying one step ahead all that stuff is exhausting so Bateman's I don't know if he's doing it or not but he seems to have found a way to deal with all that stuff that makes him feel good and really we need to live more in a world where sometimes you can't be a little selfish and do what's best for you and 
I'm not saying that's killing. Again, we're anti-killing on this show. But for this guy, it works. It makes him very scary. When he shoots the old lady, it's very funny. Um, so, yeah, I think you you know we're all like Bateman. We all have anxiety and stress. And it's and plus, he's he was in Reign of Fire, for God's sake, Christian Bale with Matthew McConaughey. Did you see that movie? No, I haven't seen that. But I did see the video where he yelled at the crew. That was pretty cool. I did. I didn't see the video, but I listened to it. It's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, I guess that's what I mean. It was like audio only. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the real villain. That is a real villain. A dude who's making two million dollars on the movie, screaming at a grip. Yeah, yeah. Who's worse, Christian Bale or Patrick Bateman? You know, <laughs> maybe that'll be the next episode. And if you'd like to weigh in on who you think won this week's battle or give us suggestions on which pop culture icons you'd like to see us represent next, you can email us at officialversuspodcast at gmail.com or tweet at Wood Elf Media on socials. Use the hashtag versus podcast. And until next week, I'm Adam Peacock. And I'm Caitlin Hempstead. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was spooky. Versus is a Wood Elf original series, executive produced by Rob Herding, David Henning, Ryan Middledorf, Caitlin Hempstead, and Adam Peacock. Produced by Tom Breck. Original music by Darren Johnson. Edited by Neely Oftering. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh. I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again.